The storm killed 2 million chickens and turkeys and 110,000 hogs. These animals drowned in their own excrement, which flowed from compromised lagoons. Hello, and welcome to This Toxic Land, a podcast dedicated to examining environmental issues in all forms. I'm your host, Mickey Snowden. Before we jump in, I just want to say a quick thank you for listening to and supporting this podcast. This is the second episode of This Toxic Land, and I hope to make many more. Okay, I said I'd keep it brief, so let's get into today's episode. Do you consume animal products? If so, you're far from alone. Despite the rise in plant-based alternatives, 86% of the global population eats meat. What about dairy, you ask? Well, according to the USDA, Americans consumed an average of 660 pounds of dairy per person in 2020. That's up 40 pounds from 2015. Given the prevalence of animal products in the average diet, today's topic is a controversial one for sure. This episode is all about confined animal feeding operations, referred to simply as CAFOs, and their impact on humans and our environment. So what is a confined animal feeding operation? Well, as its name implies, a CAFO is a confined area where animals are kept and raised for their meat, dairy, or eggs. CAFOs differ from other animal feeding operations in that, one, animals have little to no room to move around, Two, they're fed rather than having the opportunity to graze. And three, their urine and feces are collected in large holding ponds called lagoons. Gross. As you can imagine, CAFOs are terrible for the animals they can find in the land they inhabit. The animals, mainly dairy cows, hogs, and poultry, are given such little room that they can hardly move. They're often forced to stand in their own waste, which can lead to sores, ulcers, and other types of infection. Rats and other vermin routinely get into CAFOs and can carry their own host of diseases, which they can pass on to the animals. The animals often die in CAFOs from such poor living conditions. In regards to environmental effects, CAFO waste is usually not treated to reduce disease-causing pathogens, nor to remove chemicals, pharmaceuticals, heavy metals, or other pollutants. This waste gets into creeks, rivers, bays, and eventually the ocean when storms hit and lagoons overflow. The excessive amount of nitrogen or phosphorus contained in this waste can deplete water sources of their oxygen a process called eutrophication, which kills fish and other aquatic life. Nutrient overload can also cause algal blooms, which further remove oxygen from the water and block sunlight. So CAFOs are horrible for animals and our environment, but how do they affect humans? Well, to answer this question, I'll turn to Jennifer Brennan, a research associate at the Southern Environmental Law Center who I had the pleasure of speaking to while completing my thesis back in 2020. According to Brennan, CAFOs disproportionately impact the health of those around them, primarily poor and non-white people. This includes those who live nearby, as well as those who work in them. Let's use my home state of North Carolina as an example. 
minority populations in North Carolina experience significantly more and worse health risks than whites. And studies have shown a correlation between the presence of CAFOs and all-cause mortality, infant mortality, chronic respiratory issues, anemia, kidney disease, tuberculosis, and septicemia. Hog CAFOs are the most prevalent type of CAFO in the state, with Sampson County in the east containing more hog farms than anywhere else in the nation. In fact, hogs nearly outnumber humans in North Carolina. Unsurprisingly, the state is the second largest pork producer in the U.S. So all these pigs defecate and urinate a lot, and this waste has to go somewhere. That somewhere is huge excrement-holding reservoirs called lagoons. These lagoons also contain a toxic slew of stillborn pig fetuses, afterbirth, blood and pesticides, fertilizers, and antibiotics that, when mixed, turn the reservoirs Pepto-Bismol pink. Seriously, y'all, look up images of hog lagoons. It's shocking. If consumed, the waste from hog lagoons can cause all types of infectious diseases and has been linked to birth defects and cancer. Not only do hog lagoons run 30 feet deep in Sampson County, which is dangerously close to the region's water table, but most CAFOs in North Carolina are located within a major floodplain that drains into the Noose and Cape Fear rivers. As such, these rivers are consistently ranked some of the most endangered in the country and become flat-out toxic when inundated with hog waste during major storms. Unfortunately, this waste is often consumed, to some degree, with higher concentrations found closer to their source. How serious of a risk is this, you may be wondering? Well, more than 4 million people in North Carolina get their drinking water from these rivers and are therefore at risk of contamination when these rivers flood. Furthermore, the estuaries of these two river systems are economically vital to North Carolina's seafood industry, which accounts for more than 90% of the commercial seafood species caught in the state. So in other words, uh, the public health and economic viability of most of North Carolina is at stake. Hog lagoon waste is also applied to crops as a form of fertilizer in the eastern part of the state creating further potential for contamination through inhalation, physical contact, and stormwater runoff. While all North Carolinians dependent on the Cape Fear River for drinking water are at some level of risk of contamination, those working and living on or near CAFOs are the most affected. Let's look at some data. According to Cape Fear River Watch's executive director, Dana Sargent, the Cape Fear River Basin has the world's highest concentration of swine, which are primarily located in just two North Carolina counties, Duplin and Sampson. Sampson County has a staggering 1,455 animal operation permits, while Duplin County is close with 1,452. Additionally, Sampson and Duplin have 302 hazardous waste sites combined which include coal ash dumps, in addition to the CAFOs. All of these undesirable land uses are located within a combined 1,784 square miles. 
That's a lot of pollution and toxic waste within a relatively small area of North Carolina that feeds directly into North Carolina's biggest water source. Just 40 miles away from Sampson County, the largest pork processing facility in the world, the Chinese-owned Smithfield Foods slaughters 30,000 hogs a day at its rural location along the Cape Fear River in Tar Heel, North Carolina. Both Sampson and Duplin counties are largely poor and non-white. As of 2021, 23% of residents were black and 22% were Hispanic. Under 13% of Sampson County residents hold a bachelor's degree or higher. Under 19% of Sampson County has health insurance, and nearly 23% of the population lives in poverty. The median household income for these counties is between $6,000 and $10,000 less than the state average. And y'all, I live in North Carolina. The state average is nothing to write home about. It's worth pointing out here that it may be difficult to accurately assess demographics for these counties since CAFOs and slaughterhouses are largely dependent on an undocumented workforce, meaning that the companies owning these businesses wouldn't want their undocumented employees counted in censuses. According to Sargent, while downstream communities like Wilmington are able to filter their water, Populations living adjacent to CAFOs are the most vulnerable to direct water contamination. Quote, we're talking about people who moved to this land to live in the country and enjoy the country, and now they have to go inside their houses when it's a windy day. They can't be outside, they can't lay their laundry outside, and their property values have plummeted. End quote. That's what Sargent says. To highlight just how pervasive hog fecal matter is near swine facilities in eastern North Carolina, in 2017, a Clarkson University professor named Dr. Shane Rogers swabbed and tested the air quality inside of homes within a mile of Smithfield CAFOs for hog manure DNA. What he found was shocking. He found fecal DNA in 14 out of the 17 homes he swabbed and found fecal particles in all six of the air samples he took. Rogers concluded his study by saying, quote, considering the facts, it is far more likely than not that hog feces also gets inside the client's homes where they live and where they eat, end quote. While residents located close to CAFOs are undoubtedly affected by this hog waste, it's the farm workers, largely migrants, who experience their full impact. As animal waste decomposes, it emits a plethora of noxious gases, including ammonia, hydrogen sulfide, methane, and particulate matter. Farm workers caring for crops where CAFO waste is sprayed face even worse respiratory risks as they inadvertently inhale the manure particles, the ammonia that the manure releases, as well as the nitrous oxide that's created when nitrogen is added to the manure. Asthma and bronchitis are not uncommon among CAFO workers and those working around CAFO manure. Y'all, this is a dirty, risky job. I mean, kudos to those who do it. I know 
It is not easy. There is a sense of pride that comes from doing such a job. But in my opinion, I mean, this this level of exposure, this level of risk that these workers face is criminal. So let me get off my soapbox here. Uh, now that we've established the risk associated with CAFOs in North Carolina, let's take a look at a few of the state's past battles with contamination. In 1999, Hurricane Floyd made landfall at Cape Fear as a Category 2 hurricane with 105 mile per hour winds. The storm killed 2 million chickens and turkeys and 110,000 hogs. These animals drowned in their own excrement, which flowed from compromised lagoons. Local counties were affected by the flow of animal feces, urine, and carcasses, which created a major health risk. Can you imagine after a hurricane, it's like all of a sudden there's this deluge of animal carcasses and urine and feces and all that afterbirth and that that diluted Pepto-Bismol pink color from the lagoons just running down your streets. It's, it's, that's, I, I can't even, I can't even consider that. Stepping in it, having it near my home, mm, no. In the political aftermath, North Carolina passed laws banning the creation of new lagoons. But in 2016, the eastern part of the state was once again inundated by hog waste when Hurricane Matthew hit. Over 15 CAFO lagoons released their contents into the floodwaters, which infiltrated public waterways. As of 2017, American Rivers reported that these CAFOs have not been moved. And then again, y'all, deja vu. On September 14th, 2018, two years after Matthew, Hurricane Florence made landfall on North Carolina's coast. Five days later, Cape Fear River Watch, a nonprofit dedicated to protecting the Cape Fear River Basin, the one that Dana Sargent works for, reported that numerous hog waste lagoons had been overtaken by the storm and released their contents into the South and Cape Fear Rivers. Since these waste lagoons are low-lying, completely uncovered, and located within a floodplain, contamination is inevitable. So why doesn't North Carolina learn its lesson? Well, according to author Emily Moon in her Pacific Standard article, the reasons can be chalked up to, quote, ineffective regulation, an increasingly industry-friendly state legislature, entrenched monopolies, and of course, geography, end quote. The most obvious solution to North Carolina's swine pollution is to move the state's CAFOs out of the Noose and Cape Fear floodplains, but that would be costly and require the support of both the North Carolina Department of Environmental Quality and the Department of Agriculture, and these departments are not keen on hampering the pork industry's crucial economic contribution to the state. Sargent says if she was to support any one action to mitigate risks to communities affected by CAFOs, it would be floodplain buyouts as they would help to relocate CAFOs out of the Cape Fear River floodplain. She explains that because Smithfield has billions of dollars and provides local jobs, it has been controlling the area's narrative for a long time and garners a significant amount of local support from residents and politicians. 
Sargent says that instead of Smithfield's owners, it is the individual hog farmers who have to pay for waste management, which is why these unacceptable conditions persist. She says there are currently around 500 nuisance lawsuits filed against the company, but Smithfield is going to fight them all. Nevertheless, she says, these lawsuits are a big step for the people living and working around CAFOs. So, yay. We're doing something by filing these nuisance lawsuits, but we know how hard it is to find and hold responsible corporations that pollute in America, especially when they do so in the backyards of, of minority and poor populations, which is almost always the case. Whenever, whenever corporations are dumping in the backyards of wealthier white people, um, hell is raised. Another way that we can reduce the number of CAFOs is to, uh, yeah, you guessed it, eat less meat and dairy. As mentioned in the beginning of this episode, animal products are prevalent in America despite the rise in plant-based alternatives, and their consumption directly supports and for many justifies industrial farming, right? So, I mean, you know, major um, animal product producers are able to say, hey, look, we need to uh, have these CAFOs. Hey, we need to increase the amount of farms. Like, they, they call them farms. We need to increase the number of farms in order to keep up with the demand. Like, people people want fresh eggs. They want fresh milk. They want beef, you know? Beef, it's what's for dinner. This The, the consumer's asking for this stuff. And it's just, we as consumers, sure, like, some of us may consume animal products on a, on a regular basis, but we're not asking for this kind of treatment of people and animals. We're not asking for this impact on the environment. There's a huge leap that that goes into justifying this kind of treatment and these kind of conditions to produce animal products for the public. I'm not advocating that everyone should go vegan, but if you do consume meat or dairy, consider purchasing free-range, grass-fed, and organic products. I mean, you've heard it before, but but y'all, we have to vote with our dollars. When we live in a capitalistic society, we have to vote with our dollars. If you're buying this bottom-of-the-barrel Walmart brand ground beef, Walmart brand, you know, white eggs, it's like that is directly what is supporting these these CAFOs, the very worst of them. That's the justification that these companies can point to and say, well, you know, the average American lives on X amount of dollars. And so, you know, this is this is what they're purchasing. And there is truth to that, unfortunately. I mean, this this issue is is bigger than just an environmental issue. This this is this is a I mean, this is this is the intersection of economics, social issues, and and environmental issues, wages in this country, right? But I digress. However, while consumer behavior may help reduce our dependence on CAFOs, government intervention and corporate action are ultimately necessary to facilitate wide-scale change. If you want to monitor and report the impacts of CAFOs, Firsthand, the Sierra Club of Michigan has put together a great list of suggestions, which you can find by searching Why Are CAFOs Bad? Question mark. This awesome article by the Sierra Club of Michigan comes up, and yeah, I, I, I would say that I'll link it in my show notes, but y'all know uh, this is episode two of this podcast. I don't have show notes. I don't have a website. I mean, we're running bare bones here. 
people and 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 thank you thank you by the way for uh for understanding that right now you know hopefully hopefully we will get there we will build this out more um i would love to provide you all with these resources because i do have footnotes i do have i do have resources for all of this information i just at this moment do not have uh, a centralized way to to get it to you. I'm I'm running on a very shoestring budget here and a very limited knowledge of podcasting just in general. <laughs> okay, friends, that's a wrap for this episode of This Toxic Land. I hope you enjoyed listening. If you want to learn more about me, Mickey, why I started this podcast, and the history of the environmental justice movement, go back and listen to the first episode. We're only on episode two, so you're not missing too much. This is a good time to go back. Also, if you would take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, or comment on this podcast, I'd greatly appreciate it. Your feedback will help inform future episodes and add to the greater sustainability discussion. See you next time.